Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Let's Do the Right Thing podcast, curated and presented by Adam Hopkinson. Hello and welcome to the LDTRT podcast, a podcast helping you see where industry leaders and legends have started with a new direction and, well, done the right thing along the way. Today I'll be talking with Pedro Avery and asking specifically about Journey Today and what the best and worst things have been. The thing I loved most about it is having that singular passion and when you're on it, you just feel like you can take over the world. I'm Adam Hopkinson, the host of this podcast and the founder of LDTRT, Let's Do the Right Thing. For those of you who don't know us, we're a specialist consultancy set to transform business by delivering best practice and excellence in the digital world. We also have a bit of a passion for blockchain. I have a couple of thanks to give straight off the bat. It's been a delight working with Radio Works to get this project running and it wouldn't have happened without them. I have to thank James Carey for the music and my brief of making it sound like Slayer was, well, wisely ignored. And of course, thank you to Pedro, who is perhaps best known as the CEO of Havas Sports and Entertainment. Also having spent a good deal of time in agencies acquired along the way by Havas Group. Now the founder of Clinkhammer and KO Consultancy, both actually involved in very interesting projects. It's a pleasure to have you today. Thank you for coming. Pleasure and nice to be here. So, KO started 2017 and you seem to have been busy with lots of projects underway. Got to be pretty pleased with how things are going. Yeah, you know, Adam, it's uh, it's been a, a real journey since I left Havas. Uh, I really enjoyed my time at Havas. Um, I worked with some great people and worked with some great clients. And when they acquired us in 2008, uh, we went on a great journey together. But uh, yeah, in the last recent years, I've branched out on my own uh, with um, things no doubt we'll talk about today as we go through. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to hearing all about it because this is all about people branching out on their own. Um, and I, I suspect, as you say, that we may be talking in lots of different subjects coming up and tangenting all over the place. Um, perhaps we could start with Clink Camera. Like having tech that can insert ads into live streaming at the right time in social media platforms looks kind of set to revolutionise things. How's it going? How's it being adopted? Well, firstly, uh, Clinkhammer was an idea that I got from meeting a number of esports organisations last year. Um, what was clear is that uh, the esports area has been developing at speed and the need for people within the value chain to make revenues along the way was important to keep the thing working. Um, having met a number of large European players, there was some obvious commercial needs they had. And so the idea behind Clinkhammer was to find ways to help those esports organisations make more money from their existing rights and how they were actually distributing them into the into the esports ecosystem. It's been tough. Um, the thing I loved most about it is the 
having a passion for something, um, going back to my entrepreneurial route, something that uh, when you're in the corporate environment, it's much harder to, to, to be as entrepreneurial as you can when you're out on your own. Having that singular passion, going out and actually just making stuff happen is just a, a very unique experience. And when you're on it, you just feel like you can take over the world. It's, it's a fantastic experience. Well, okay. So, look, moving into the, the the tech space with inserting ads into live cuts and also running into esports, you're at the vanguard of two industries at the minute. Where, where do you find the time? Well, I've always been someone who's, I say, switched. So, yeah, always been on. Um, the reality is, you know, I get up in the morning, I start consuming media about media, and you know, at 11 o'clock at night, I'm still reading about media, about media. It's, it's, it's always driven me. I've always had a, a, a big passion for advertising and particularly broadcast. Um, I started as, a, as a, a, an A-level uh, student, left, uh, left school, went straight into TV buying, and I've been involved in broadcast the whole way along uh, and seen not only the, the launch of Sky and, the, and, and seeing how well that developed, but the launch of Channel 5, and, and then recently seeing the world of OTT start to really uh, expand. And I think to be close to the evolution of media, it changes every day, and therefore it makes it exciting and um, you know, it feels like every day is a school day and every day I'm learning something new about how we are using technology to distribute content. I was listening to your answer, but as soon as you said the launch of Channel 5, all I could hear was the Spice Girls song in my head. I <laughs> <laughs> guess that dates us. <laughs> yeah, it was great times. They were, indeed. Um, when, did, when did you realise that there was something in esports at the minute? Because you mentioned broadcast, and you know, the journey of gaming has very much come out of being a solitary experience for people alone. Um, maybe in their rooms, it's moved into the front room, it's become a family sport, and it's now becoming like a stadium, broadcastable like phenomenon. When when did it raise? When did it? I think the penny dropped when my now thirteen year old was about ten or eleven, and he moved from Minecraft onto the next thing, and watching him start to consume content, uh, gaming content, and talk to his friends about it more regularly online, and his evenings were being driven by the social interaction of the gaming. I started to sit in the front room and actually pay attention. I think, you know, it'd be quite easy just to sit in the kitchen and ignore it, but actually to sit there, learn and understand what it was that he was finding so fascinating. And I think the bigger piece that was in the back of my head was here is a generation, my son, you know, right at the front of it, who is not consuming normal television. I couldn't get him to sit down and watch Saturday Night TV. I can't get him to sit down and watch sport. Things that I was probably doing with my 20-year-old that my 13-year-old now longer doesn't want to do because he's got these other things in his life that he's finding more interesting. And I thought, well, I better get, better get involved and understand this more. And it was, that's the start of the journey. And then starting to meet people in the space. And from my time at working at Hava Sports and Entertainment, understanding how fans and passions can really motivate uh, brands that are working in that space. The engagement you get from a fan who truly understands what it is you're trying to deliver and the experiences you're trying to deliver is really unique. And I think that's something that brands are still learning about. Um, Esports is not an easy area for them to get involved with. Sometimes the content is necessarily not... Uh, content that they'd be happy with, particularly first-person shooter formats, is, 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 is an issue for them, whereas the fantasy game side seems to be more comfortable area for brands to get involved with. But the, um, the reality is the audience is there. It's young. It's, um, 
the, the players are probably more in their teens, whereas the esports goers are probably slightly older. Um, and for certain brands, I think they've really understood this space and have really attacked it with vigour. People are turning into, well, the equivalent, I guess, of sports stars, rock stars for the consuming audience as well. Do you see like brand ambassadors in an e-sports world becoming involved in brand marketing? Uh, well, they already are. Um, okay. So um, <laughs> Nike has just signed up its first global ambassador uh, based out in China, but a number of brands are now um, working with um, brand ambassadors. I think the penny dropped for me when I realised that it's no different to watching Wimbledon. If you play tennis and you are reasonably good at your club level. You want to go to Wimbledon to just see the best of the best doing it. And it's I think the same for gaming. You know, you, you can pick up an Xbox controller and play the same games as these megastars now. We are talking megastars. Yeah. They're earning millions of dollars a go. Um, playing the same game that you're playing. You want to go and see these guys. You want to understand why they're strong. That's why they stream so much. They create so much content for the kids to to follow and therefore that you buy into the franchise you buy into the success of what that franchise is trying to do and these are competitions these are mega multi-million pound competitions where you can earn significant sums of money from being the best of the best and to be best of the best it's like any other sportsman you have to dedicate the time you have to dedicate your life to that event and the myth of fat blokes in you know fat geeky blokes in back cupboards being good at this is it could be no much couldn't be any further from the truth yeah. if you go and meet some of the rock stars in this space they're young they're athletes they are spending as much time in the gym as they're spending gaming they're watching their diets they're training six seven eight hours a day it's a complete lifestyle that i don't understand <laughs> yeah and i think it, it for people you know no disrespect to both of us who uh, both been talking about our age my guts but the, the, our, our kids are certainly getting it and our kids do want to follow these guys and they are wanting to see what these guys are the lifestyle that these guys are leading the brands that they're wearing the trainers that they're wearing what they're doing in their off time what cars are they driving it's no different now to following a, a football player um, a little bit of a segue here um, but there, there, there's something that, that's been on my mind since I actually joined the industry <clears throat> some time ago and that's the lack of qualifications in it. And I noticed that you studied at London Business School in 2017. Do you think that the industry is going to need qualification? And it's always kind of amazed me how far you can get without a recognised level of attainment in this field. So if we're looking after huge amounts of money for, for clients, everything else that they would be spending money on is, is qualified, the legal, the HR, the architects, whatever it may be. But somehow... The, the, the protection of the brand values and indeed the spend behind it can be done in a pub almost. What's become very apparent, Adam, over the last 30 years that I've been in the business is that we've gone from um, a business that spent its money on 13 TV stations, eight newspapers, a couple of billboard companies um, and some radio stations to a business now which is multi-diversified and what we've seen in the last few years is, is significant issues related to fraud, related to transparency, which I think has cast a doubt over the way in which uh, the industry has been operating. Do you, do you see that the, the skill set required or maybe rather recruited for by agencies is going to change over time? I think it already has changed actually, if I'm honest with you. Um, there's definitely a skills gap 
between university leavers and what we need in the workplace right now. I think there's the um, the kids, particularly who are doing media courses, advertising-related courses, I think what they're learning is, is, is quite far away from what we actually start to need yeah. in the workplace. And I think there needs to be a lot of work done on improving our graduates to be more work-ready for the advertising and marketing workplace, particularly in areas of digital understanding and truly understanding the ecosystem. I think too many people are ignorant of it and remain ignorant of it, and I think that is at the cost of um, transparency and trust. And I think the, the best place to learn is to come in at the bottom and learn about how the internet actually works and how an impression is served and delivered on the, on the, on the internet. And if you don't have that basic understanding, I think you, you know, you're going you're gonna to struggle. And I think those agencies that are investing in that area and investing in bringing people into that space are the ones that are going to continue to keep succeeding. I think that may be, if you look back at the ecosystem, it starts with a client, moves into an agency, then it starts automating and moving into tech players until it gets to the publishers at the end. I mean, somewhere along the line, the actual brand objectives get lost pretty quickly. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe the whole world needs to be educated on how brand advertising actually works and what they want to get out of it. Does that then lead back to a qualification for people to be participants? It's hard to button it down to being a qualification. Um, Albeit, you know, I I worked at J. Walter Thompson for for a good eight, nine years, and, and we had a fantastic training schemes where we were constantly uh, being invested in as individuals to learn about the whole advertising ecosystem, be that brand advertising, be that understand reach and frequency, understand different types of weights. Um, I wonder how many agencies are truly actually training their staff to learn it. Um, And that was some of our competitive advantage, and we used to call it the Thompson way. Um, And any of us that still meet up from our times at Thompson's remember those days very fondly because we were genuinely invested in as individuals and we were given the time and space to to learn and I think I don't get that sense that that's happening as much now and kids are working long hours and they're not getting much training and I I do I do get a sense of frustration from them that then that's why they keep moving jobs um, and necessarily not sticking around much. You went out alone and you've set up a business, or couple in fact, which are already keeping you out of trouble. Um, For me, selfishly and being very hungry for advice, who is setting out alone now and maybe listeners to this podcast who may be considering doing the same, what key piece of insight would you give and maybe what would you have liked to have heard yourself at the beginning of your journey? I remember going to see a friend of mine at Odgers when I left Havas and he sat down with me and he said, Pedro... um, First thing you need to decide is, can you work for someone else again? Um, you know, and I've, and I've had a boss pretty much all my life. And he said, you know, are you comfortable with working for someone else? Because that's the first decision you need to make. Um, because if you're, if you're not going to be, if you're not ready for that, or you want to change that, then that might be a big part of your pivot that you need to think about. That was the first thing. The second thing is you've got to continue to keep networking when you go out alone. Um, and... Those two pieces of advice were really important to sit down and really think about is, can I work for someone else again uh, and a big organisation? And secondly, make sure you get out there and network. So they were the two big things that I remember, you know, my first few days when I left Havas and was deciding what to do next. I, you know, I had, um, I had a bit of time to reflect on, uh, on my time there. So those two things were important to me. And then when 
I thought about what was the next thing for me to do. I mean, I'd had a, a great career at Havas, um, and I'd been involved in taking a, pr a, a private business into a more public business. I then merged uh, Arena Media with Havas Media. Um, I then was given the opportunity to work with some of the other brands in the area, be that Havas Sports and Entertainment, be that Cake, be that Arnold, be that KLP. These are these were great brands that, that Havas had within its portfolio. So I was given an opportunity to work across much broader space than just working in media. And I found the diversity had given me an opportunity to really see the industry in a different place. But in the reality, what I've learned at the heart of it is I'm a, I'm a media guy. And I've always been a media guy. And I, you know, when I come to work every morning, I think about what are the posters that I see on the train stations? What do I see? It, it, it's just inherent in me to look at the advertising that I'm seeing around me and, it, and, and the media that would have been, you know, the media process that would have gone behind why that ad appeared there. And I think that's going to be something that's going to stick with me. But it took me a long time to, 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 to work this out. Um, I tried to get involved in uh, making a film. Um, tried to get some funding for a TV program series. Yes, I went to London Business School and learned a lot about how leadership needs to adapt in a much more uh, the modern environment now that we are in versus maybe some of the leadership that we saw in the 80s and 90s. And that was a fascinating experience. I met some great people from around the world. And I'll thank London Business School for the time and energy that they invested in me. Um, but naturally, I got drawn back into media. It's it's where I spent the majority of my career, and I still find it absolutely fascinating. And every day, it's something that I really care about. And so, I um, have found the control of working for yourself great. Um, but the anxiety is different. The anxiety is very different. <laughs> um, when does the when do you get the next brief? When do you get the next project? Um, and I also think it's interesting going out on your own. There have been people who. I didn't expect to come to me and ask for uh, advice or support. Um, and conversely, some people who I probably thought would, would have asked mm. didn't ask. And so, you know, having to reset my sights and um, take rejection differently. Rejection when you're working for yourself is a, is a very different thing. It's very to, personal, isn't it? It's very personal yeah. than working for, working for a, an organisation um, where you feel sometimes you're just another number. One of the things that I've noticed about going out on your own is you are literally going out on your own and you need to do everything yourself. And whilst that's quite interesting and exciting, learning about getting various things done, I mean, I was really nerdily excited about getting my VAT registration number, something that I would never have relied upon myself doing previously. But you have to do everything. So how do you then strike the balance between actual business development and business execution, which I guess are the two things that you've really got to focus on? I found I found the whole process uh, very enlightening. Uh, running your own business has required me to do business development, and some things happen very quickly, and some things take six to nine months to to come off. Um, and at the same time, you've also got the delivery. Um, you've got to deliver. You've got to deliver against the uh, against the brief. Coupled with, it's probably going to take me two days a month now to manage my finances. You know, it's. <laughs> The reality is uh, being VAT registered and now having to fill in VAT returns quarterly um, has completely, you know, takes up two days of work. And chasing down those invoices, making sure they're paid. Um, I do thank some of the online software now that yeah. has made some of that a lot easier. Um, but it's still tricky. Um, I got recommended a great accountant who has made my life really, really uh, simple. But 
she's tough with me and she tells me when I've got to be delivering and she keeps me on a straight and narrow uh, as someone who's a lot more ideas focused sometimes being buttoned down on the on the on the on the here's a bag the... of receipts do something with those <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know that that balance of business development versus delivery is is hard it's really hard and i think anyone who's thinking about going out on their own i think the biggest questions you need to ask yourselves are can i actually afford this mm-hmm. and i afford this afford this at at, at, a, at a personal level can I afford to give myself the time and space to do this and to own it? And also, you've got to go out there and keep asking. And don't be ashamed to ask. Absolutely. Don't be ashamed yeah. to go mm. out and ask. People don't know that you're doing it until you tell them. Yeah, for yeah. business. And they also don't know what they don't know about what you can bring to their business. And sometimes just sitting down and asking a, a leader in a business, you know, what are the key issues you're facing at the moment? What are the things that you'd like to change in the business now? And whether or not, you know, you're looking for support or help for that. And by going through some of those basic questions, um, I found that I've met people who, who who have got challenges, have got leadership challenges. And and so my, 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 my role in that has either been as a coach or as an advisor or just someone who um, is just there to, to listen to occasionally. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What's the best piece of advice you've had? Always be yourself. Um, don't try and be someone that you're not. People see straight through you. Um, I'd like to thank Mike Gorman, if anyone's listening to this, for that piece of advice. He said, Pedro, just always be yourself and don't try and be someone that you're not because it doesn't work. And I was quite young when he told me that. Um, and, I, and I'll thank him for that because I think I've always stuck by that, actually. I've tried. I've always tried to be myself. Stay true. Um, I feel that you may have actually answered this already, but is, is there a mantra that you've guided yourself by? It's live each day as it comes along. Um, live each day, live in the time. I think maybe five or six years ago I lost sight of that a little bit. Um, and I did start to worry too much about other things. Um, and I think it, you know, it can get you down. Um, live what you've got in front of you. Enjoy working with people. Make sure that you spend that time with them. 
learn about them, spend time understanding them, and it becomes a very enjoyable place, I think. Um, if you worry too much about the future, it's, you know, things can change. Oh, but, they don't, don't they just? <laughs> don't they just? Just live each day for it and, you know, just treat others like you'd like to be treated yourself. That sounds like words of wisdom. Thank you, Pedro. To hear more, subscribe to the show, and why not leave us a nice review while you're there, as it helps others find us. Let's Do the Right Thing was devised and presented by Adam Hopkinson and was a Maple Street Creative production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.